Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of New York, the show of new wave music. You too, the cure Depeche Mode and wine. Today's guest is the wine director at La Corsia Group here in Austin, Texas. Paula Rester, been in the industry a long time, a really down to earth, wholesome. Some call her a wine mom. She's intelligent. She loves wine. She loves hospitality. We talk about a lot of different things. We talk about music. Of course, but we also talk about the stiffness and the snootiness that sometimes comes along with being an advanced, a master sommelier. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Paula Rester. more i was kind of more of the new wave ah. kind of kid i think you know more of that you know cocktail twins like Depeche mode the Depeche cure mode the cure new order it, yeah, that definitely. still stands up though Depeche mode yeah, i'll I'll, yeah, I'll dive yeah. at that yeah. still stays still <laughs> cocktail twins i don't know as much well, but the cure yeah, still stands yeah. up right oh yeah always totally yeah. and still think, touring t- right yeah i mean robert smith Kind of looks like a hot mess. I think that's a good a little word. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Was he? Were Which you I kind of love. I like. I have come to expect that from him. So that makes just me happy that yeah. he looks like a bag of makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, right? He kind of does. I I love him, and he I does. think he he's writes great lyrics. Great yeah. Melodies, but he still looks like a bag of makeup. I want him to dye his hair blue, and then he'll look like you know the woman that falls asleep <laughs> in the opera. Like, the girl from Are You Being and, Served? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> from the BBC, yeah. I think that's the thing that, that's happened to Steven Tyler. As you age, Amazing. you become very, very, very reminiscent of my aunt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so strange. I don't know why that is. Those guys, are the, they're so focused on being thin and like gaunt mm-hmm. and emaciated. It's a little big. gender blur, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. Were you, was it, was the cure, was that? your band or is there another one that was like you mentioned the cocteau twins yeah is it more them? Um, i actually got into them i think a little bit later on uh, I, I think if i had a band i yeah. was you know I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say now but you too oh really i think was no, like i was brilliant. a huge yeah war so days they I were mean, kind of my band what um, would you like about you too and not that there's we talk about the early stuff. It's I think insanely just like good, you know, yeah. like the righteousness that you know that you can <laughs> yeah. certainly you know relate to. I think as a teenager when you're having a lot of impassioned feelings yeah. about things and as a, the as fact like a, that they were political and I mean I mean Bono was a great singer and still is a good still singer. is a great singer and um do you do you see <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, the word twat's not thrown around loosely, but for yes. some reason, many people, British people, like, Bono's such a twat. Yeah. Why the fuck? Why is everybody so pissed at I Bono don't know. now? I don't know. You get it. I don't get it. I, 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 you know, I think once you get that big, there's always going to be a little bit of... The um, backlash. The backlash. The haters. Yeah. The haters. Don't hate on you, too. Yeah, they're still writing good songs. I mean... And his daughter's a fantastic actress. Have really? Have seen her in The Nick? She's in the Nick with yeah, Carlo. Yeah. What is she? In, She's phenomenal. In, she plays the nurse. I can't remember the character. Really? Yeah. How old? I, I have. I, so I know of the Nick because I love Stephen Soderbergh, mm-hmm. but I haven't been able to watch it. How is it? It's very good. Is it good? Yeah, I think it's kind of one of the un, unsung shows on television right now. Man, and uh, Clive Owen, I, I bet he kills amazing. it. Amazing, amazing. I've got, I've got a crush on Clive Owen. Well, that's okay. I think. Yeah, I, think, I, I think support most this. People do. I support this. Yeah. Yes. Whether it's a uh, croupier, which is a great one, oh, what is a great film, yeah. really makes you want to drink vodka out of the fridge. Yeah, you know, like there are not a lot of movies that I, I see. I'm like, you know, I could use a and feel vodka totally out of the fine fridge. about it. Yeah, totally, totally fine. <laughs> so, would you say that because we were talking a little bit earlier and you kind of had this background in drama? Mm-hmm. Did you ever play? Were you ever on the musical side of it too? 
Yeah, yeah, I would um I would perform in some musical theater. Certainly, um I went through a period where I was into kind of singing jazz and saying oh, a, really? a short-lived kind of club here in town. Yeah, and, yeah. And um uh did a lot of vocal performance in choir <clears throat> and uh loved it. Yeah. yeah. What were you a, a tenor or an alto? I mean, I guess I, I guess like I'm a, a guy, so al- I don't have alto, a good soprano alto. kind of, yeah. Definitely. I actually, I was told years later that I, uh, I have the tonality more for like a mezzo soprano, but mm-hmm. because I had the ear to sing harmonies, which mm-hmm. were difficult, I would often be put as an alto. Really? Um, because I couldn't, I, I could always hear, you know, that I could not follow the melody, but for right. the, you know, so, the harmony. So you had good pitch. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, just, pitch. it's just I'm some people pitch. like, you, I mean, yeah. you, you hear them sing, you're like, I don't know where you learned not to sing. I had good pitch. pitch. I don't know if I still have it. Was, I, did it run in the family? Yeah. <laughs> like people being musical or having good pitch? Or um, uh, I think my father. I think my father had a good voice as well. Really? Yeah, my mom loves to sing. And that, <laughs> Whether or not we'll she just should. leave it there. We'll leave it. <laughs> I used to beg. She would sing in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. She'd like quietly sing to herself. And I'd be like, don't sing, mom. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> No, I, 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 I do it. But, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, but she still, she, she's like a, she might be where I get my love of karaoke from because she has a, a joie de vivre about the way in which she approaches her, that's amazing. her singing, which I encourage. Uh, unapologetic. Yeah, that's pretty nice. <laughs> so when did you, when did you get back into, into town? So I knew, so all I know about lots of people. Yeah. Are, is what Facebook tells me. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's real good. Real accurate <laughs> Which stuff. Which is really carefully edited. Either that or it's like way too much information. Yes. Like, oh, oh, that's shit. really personal. You broke up with that dude again. Yeah, Not you. Yeah, yeah. Random female or guy. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you're going through a breakup again. You don't need to tell me about this. You're eating uh, two pizzas. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I don't need to know it. I, I promise. This I don't what my need... breakfast looks like. Yeah. Um, mm. Which I can, I'm a little guilty of. I can say I can, I will take some pictures of some food occasionally. Um, but food, you can go back and look and say, man, that was a damn fine meal. Yeah. There's or, something or uh, taco nice about that. that was, yeah. Even a taco. <laughs> any level. Crudite, taco sushi i I have close feelings about tacos um i think a lot of people do i got back into town uh in oh when did i go i'm like what it's pretty recently (laughs) it was in early october okay so a couple months yeah and i and i had the luxury of taking a little bit of time off um before i started uh, my uh my new position with lakorsha yeah uh, oh yeah so uh we'll have to talk about that because i've talked to jason quite a bit oh yeah um hopefully jason will be on the show he's quite busy at this time yeah yeah can all expect from a guy with a hat (laughs) and a beard those guys are always busy (laughs) so i've heard so well well, that's good so i you know i knew a little bit about you as being the one of the creme de la creme of wine, wine knowledge of hospitality in Austin, and then you moved. So like, <laughs> r- I think right before I get a chance to like actually talk to you and meet you and all of this, like you moved. So <laughs> so we're gonna we're make up for lost time now, which is nice. Yay! Definitely good. Yay. Definitely good. So you are born and raised Aust- Austinite, Texanite, or did uh, you kind of born start? in Fort Worth, Texas? Fort Worth. Um, I went to high school in Arlington. Okay. Came down to go to college uh, in Austin. You too. We won't talk about what year that happened. And then <laughs> <laughs> that was the next question. So I'll, I'll and then I've lived in other parts of the country, other parts of the world, but yeah. I've always kind of considered Austin to be home. It's yeah. it has that feeling. It does. Yeah. It definitely does. I've been here about fifteen years, which isn't too too long comparative to to some of the other people. But there's something nice about it. it's got everything that you would want: good people, good food, yeah, good booze, yeah. as well. I can bike trail. That's right. A- <laughs> I can be healthy and unhealthy. <laughs> Brought to you by the Austin Tourism Board. Um, <laughs> well, so what was it? it? So you talk time. about like musical theater and jazz singing, which I, I presume maybe came a little bit later. But mm-hmm. what kind of stuff were you doing in Arlington when you were in high school? Were you doing drama then as well? I was, yeah. I um, I mentioned I was doing, uh, I was in choir and kind yeah. of doing vocal performance, but yeah, I was a part of the drama club and and uh, did lots of shows and did the UIL competitions. Amazing. And, and uh, really got into it and was with a really uh, good creative bunch of people, many of whom have ended up in creative industries here in Austin. No kidding. Which is you keep exciting. in touch with many of them? 
Uh, yeah, I do. It's, it's so fun, cool. yeah, yeah, to have kind of this group of people. Um, Keith War, who founded uh, Rhythm Foods. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, familiar, but... Really fantastic uh, person, lives here in Austin. Uh, Aaron Day, who's Mark Schilling's partner in Revolution oh, yeah. Spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we all went to high school together. No so, shit. And we're all ran with the same crew, so it's kind of fun that we... That we've, is crazy. We've um, kind of all ended up in the same town kind of in, in similar she, what's, and what's that like saying about flock together sheep yeah sheep something, i don't something. you tell me i uh, uh sheep some, something about people <laughs> flocking mother flockers yes some, <laughs> something something of that nature but do, doing the whole acting bit in, in arlington and yeah. kind of being uh, imbibed with the, that creativity and that lust to, to perform did, mm-hmm. did that put you at a crossroads or thinking wow i may want to go and of course you end up at ut doing drama and stuff but mm-hmm. Is there that dichotomy between, well, should I move to New York to pursue drama? Should I move to L.A. to pursue drama? Did you experience any of that? Yeah, I did, actually. And, and in fact, I moved to New York. Oh, um, that's, right, that's right. The yeah. first time. The first time. Okay. Uh, many years ago when I was doing doing more acting than participating in the role that I'm, that I'm in now. Yeah. Um, and that was after, so after we'll stay, yeah. stay clear of dates if, if you, if you <laughs> yeah. want but so but you finished up with a drama program at ut and the, and then um i had an agent a local agent here in town oh, no kidding. yeah and was there uh, a bit when you graduated ut mm-hmm. in drama was there a film and drama industry the way there is now uh it was there were it was beginning yeah like the beginnings of it not not so much as there is now which is fantastic right. um uh, but you know Texas was a right to work state, so more Robert Rodriguez was really shining a light on mm-hmm. you know the kind of talent that we that we have here in the state of Texas, and so people were beginning to come and film, and um, it was just so, starting to percolate. Yeah, so it was just kind of starting to percolate. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But but you still felt like there are more opportunities in New York, which I mean I guess there always will be more acting opportunities in New York. Yeah, you know I thought it was important just for my personal growth, um, but my gro- growth as an artist as well to kind of live live in different places and and kind of expand your horizon yeah. and method method living method living. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I moved to New York and worked like a million jobs like everyone does. Yeah. and I wasn't there for very long and About how long? Um, like maybe four or five months. Oh, okay. And um, and then I had like a little life kind of threw me a curveball, and I had uh, my both my stepfather and my real father were diagnosed with cancer at the same time, like um, roughly yeah. the same time. And so I moved back uh, back to Texas, yeah, um, and kind of assisted in in their care until the end of their lives. And, and what, what kind but, of cancer was it? To, hopefully uh, it wasn't the same Yeah, my cancer. dad had colon cancer. My stepdad had multiple myeloma, which is a bone marrow cancer. Wow. <clears throat> it's like, wow. So it, that was intense. That's that was intense. a little intense part of my when, life. When you, so when you grew up, kind yeah. of explain to me, uh, did you, at what point kind of did your folks split where you didn't uh, see your was, father uh, as much? I probably? was maybe like 12 You're years 12? old. Yeah. 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 And so you, so you had a, Probably a good relationship with your father at that point, too. And then your stepfather, at some point, your mom remarries, right? So yeah. you're close to both of them, in other words. Not so close with my real father. Yeah. I think that there was a little bit of, there was some turmoil kind of in that relationship. Yeah. Um, well, at 12, certainly, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> although certainly that was resolved by the end of his life, sure, which sure. ended up being a fantastic uh, gift and an unexpected one. Um, do, do you think that was the Very impetus? close with my stepfather, though. Very. Oh, so mm-hmm. Which I imagine you grew yeah. up more. With your stepfather, then. Yeah, yeah, I think he would definitely played like a, the, a stronger parenting role, even though he he came kind of a little bit later in life. Yeah. So it's it, he it's was a stand up dude. He was a stand up dude. I like stand up dudes. Yeah, <laughs> not like comedians, but like stand up. Yeah, dudes. yeah. They're, they're, they're very very good, you know. He was great. Yeah. But there, sometimes you know, uh, and I'll share something, and I don't talk about yeah. this too much. But so I've never met my father, mm-hmm. and I suspect that a terminal situation such as colorectal cancer, which mm-hmm. I think, is that the same as colon cancer? I don't want to, I think it's so, roughly yeah. the same thing, right? That that kind of situation might be the impetus to, to rebuild and uh, repair mm-hmm. the relationship, you know? So I imagine in some kind of weird, eerie, or uh, dark re- way that that ended up being a good thing mm-hmm. because you guys could start spending time with each other, I guess. That seems maybe right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, 
I mean, I think as always, it's the, it's the individuals that are involved in the and the choices that they make. So right. we we made it into a healing opportunity, and I'm very grateful for that. It's um, pretty good. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of people don't necessarily seize those opportunities. So I imagine. I hope it does. It's not inarticulate, but presumably you lost them both. Yeah, I lost yeah. them both within the same year. Oh wow. Um, and uh, and I think by that time, I think that my my life had changed like a little bit, and I was looking in different directions and kind of really meditating on the meaning of life and where I was going and what I wanted to it's do. It's gonna be a maelstrom of, like of emotion and just trying to figure what directions up, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was. I would. I think it would be safe to say I was a hot mess for a long time. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> yeah. How did you cope with that? Because I, I mean, music for some, film for some, you know. Yeah, you know, um, I family. I thought family was a really fantastic resource, yeah. and um, writing uh, for me, like doing lots of journaling, and mm-hmm. um, I think was a, a was a positive kind of outlet for me to sure. kind of um, kind of grapple with kind of some of those heavier Get it out emotions, there too, right? Yeah, and. Um, and making a decision to kind of leap into the restaurant world with both feet where you kind of have these built-in families, um, yeah. places where you work, I think was also <clears throat> a really, really positive thing for me. And so um, was this in yeah. Fort Worth or Arlington when you came back? Uh, when I came back to Austin, um, I started working at Uchi. Oh, okay. So, yeah. but so when that is that where your family was at that point when you moved uh, they, back? From New yeah, York? they were actually uh, uh, they were in Arlington. Okay. So my family was living in Arlington. So while I was there, I was working in Dallas. I worked for Stephen Piles. Oh, okay. Um, as a captain in one of his restaurants, and how was that experience? Fantastic group of people. Yeah. Uh, it was really great for me. It was fun. It, it was definitely Dallas and Austin are so different. Far so it was uh it was kind of a fun foray into dallas fine dining and Stephen, you, Stephen Powell's is a lovely lovely man and did you ever i mean yeah did it ever feel like somehow you were selling your dream short and and, and i i think that we as of happenstance those are the opportunities we just walk into them and then we seize them right so you're working for a restaurant fine dining restaurant as you say mm-hmm. but stepping away from i presume you were pursuing acting in new york Mm-hmm. And it was still somewhat of a passion, but did that have to get sidelined while you entered the hospitality industry? You know, honestly, it didn't. It didn't feel like a letting go of a dream. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of felt it like a very natural, intuitive shift. Interesting. I guess like a progression. Me. Yeah, I yeah. think so. What capacity were you working at the restaurant? Were you serving? cocktailing yeah just straight straight on serving as a mm-hmm. captain. Yeah, but I I had been in management roles before yeah so when i came back to austin i knew like i wanted to manage in a restaurant and i knew i wanted it to be uchi so it was funny because i like <laughs> i remember walking in and being like you know like i want to work here and i want to manage and they're like okay <laughs> okay lady um but they were sure, very kind just leave your resume in the I had a, <laughs> <laughs> no but i had a great kind of series of interviews and i uh about three months later they called and kind of had a position available for me that's and, amazing yeah, what so it, and this really, this i think really blessed fair what year was this uh 2008 I okay say. Yeah. so yeah so uchi has Two, some well, stride 2000 yeah 2008 yeah a, a amazing institution for, yeah. for sushi for one but also culinary yeah. culinarily in austin and great and it's become a great place for i think training uh austin hospitality professionals yeah how yeah. was that experience for you uh, for me it was really good yeah it was really it was a great one mm-hmm. i i loved the cuisine i mean best family meals ever oh, like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, don't make me great hungry, shift but. meals um <laughs> I was working with people who were very self-driven and mm-hmm. um, really wanting to to execute fantastic performances every single night. Yeah, and, um, it is like a. It was a, really inspiring. Uh, it's interesting. It, an ensemble cast. Yeah, very you think much about so. it, like analogous yeah. to a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, just to put it that way. Like, <laughs> right, lots of cast, lots of people <laughs> leading, but it's still. Has to have this wonderful cadence between everybody, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. but and you essentially you were the one orchestrating a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, right? I think with it with kind of like a director in a sense. management team. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's how long were then? How long were you at Uchi then? 
I think I was there almost two years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and then I left to actually work. Uh, and it was there that I kind of really started to get interested in wine and mm-hmm. study with the court of master sommeliers. And, um, and I left to work uh, for a distributor for Serendipity Wine Imports for a year. Oh, cool. In Austin mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. Here in Austin. And kind of explore that side of the industry. But it wasn't very long before I kind of felt the call of restaurants kind the of call. beckoning back <laughs> yeah. to me. And I, I've always really loved being in a restaurant. And Do you think there's an yeah. element to service and hospitality and helping people that is performing not th- not in a uh, non-earnest way right? yeah absolutely yeah totally, I think in right? an authentic way well you know in an authentic performance as an actor you know you're you're drawing from you know very real places inside of yourself and right. I think it's the same as true of service you know they're um absolutely yeah I, I i do see it as as a performance and being on and even the build-up like the time of time of night you right, know right. you would it's the same evolution uh it's strange there's a denouement there's a climax yeah. <laughs> there's all of that right because mm-hmm. yeah the you know as you're wrapping up and, and a few customers are left but most of them left for the night that kind of yeah like, yeah things are kind of settled you know it's like all right the bad guy got killed the yeah, good guy they, persevered and there's we just live nice to fight friend. another day that's yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah it's that's that's great. so <laughs> Was the distribution gig, uh, you just needed to get back in it and with the people firsthand? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I discovered a lot about myself, you know, as a salesperson, um, kind of out into the field working for a distributor, which is that I don't like being in my car and I don't, you know. (laughs) Was like 80% driving and 20%? Yeah. (laughs) Talking to people? Talking to people and uh, sometimes, you know, selling things that you might not, you know, necessarily believe in. so it was, uh, it can be, it was, it was, I found it to be a little bit more challenging to the way in which Paula is made. <laughs> <laughs> With this internal conflict, maybe. Yeah, I really, you know, I love, I love the sense of kind of having, having a space and uh, coming to every night with the people that you work with. Yeah. And, you know, having it be more of a team effort. What, what is it? Say um, that's kind of. Your marks. You've got your marks. Yeah, you got you got... hitting your marks. Yeah, yeah every night. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it is very having uh, your script down. That's right. Yeah, it it yeah. is. I mean, it's loo- It's more loose than that, and it's mm-hmm. obviously not as preconceived necessarily mm-hmm. or constructed. But there, there is a performance there, and it's almost improv every night, right? Because you get mm-hmm. the same players, but you never really know how the customers are going to be or how service is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, where did you head after true. the distribution gig? Oh gosh, where did I head after the? This is I didn't know this was going to be a. This is your life. I'm like, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know where I went. Man, the um, 2008 was a great year, right? No, I mean we could go yeah. take it more generally. When did Smash Mouth come out? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I hopped around. Um, I think I hopped around a little bit. Uh, I worked. Um, I worked at Vino Vino. For oh really? Okay. A period of time. Um, I think a lot of wine people kind of gravitate towards towards vino vino because mm. they have such just a fun uh kind of eclectic selection and little niche spot um in hyde park jeff currington's always been great about letting people kind of pop in and yeah. you know work a handful of days here and there you know if, if he knows they're hard workers and they're educated and passionate about wine um and I, I think i did that for a while and then uh and then i worked as an opening captain at congress oh cool okay um and with worked good there. Crew there. Yeah. Second, so, I mean, that, yeah. from what I understand, there was a, a massively influential group then, like in the cocktail piece. I, I, I favor towards cocktails because I've got gray hair and all that. <laughs> <laughs> not particularly nuanced. You know. I do too. Yeah. Just, it's all covered up. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but, so, like, but this is the thing. So, it's, that, this is an interesting point. So, at some point, I became passionate about spirits. Mm-hmm. I, Dabbled in in wine, not wine production, but understanding the varietals and production methods, things like that, things like that. But then then mezcal happened, and then my mind went a whole other way, and sort of thinking <laughs> about how to do this and gin and all all the stuff that we you know we make a genius. But for you, what was it about wine that had this allure for you? Because it's it's a very rich thing. There's lots to learn, but particularly for you, what why why gravitate towards wine? Well, I don't. I don't come from a, a wine drinking family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first bottle of wine was uh, 
a bottle of Reuniti Lambrusco that you mm-hmm. can, you know, when yeah. you can buy in the grocery store. <laughs> That's and right. Of, like the jug with the screw top in the 80s. And I was like, this is delicious. <laughs> it's like, you know, it tastes like kind of Kool-Aid. Yes. And, so sweet. Uh, so sweet. Um, uh, but through working in restaurants um, and through exposure to different kinds of wine experiences, and, and actually I remember exactly what the bottle of wine was where I was like, this is different. Like, mm-hmm. There's something really exciting going on here. Um, was a, a bottle of uh, Travellini Gattinara. And Gattinara is this tiny region in the Alto Piemonte um, part of Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, the wines are made from the grape Nebbiolo. And uh, Nebbiolo is kind of interesting because uh, when you look at it in the glass, it's kind of translucent like Pinot Noir. Uh-huh. Um uh, although they can certainly be done in richer styles, but um, it's an intensely aromatic wine. Um, it really speaks to the place from which it comes. Like so it's you, no interference, like a nice no direct gateway to the, the soil. Um, and then it's powerful at the same time. It has these really kind of aggressive tannins. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's this re- It's kind of a head trip. For me, it was really eye-opening and I almost felt like uh, when I what I was smelling and tasting in the glass was taking me to the place that it came from. But it was also a place that I had never been. I had yeah. never traveled to Italy. But did so. you feel like you'd somehow set foot there a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to me, it it became a very magical uh, experience. And I was like, this is fascinating. I, I want to drink more of these kinds of wines. And I want to learn about this right. and why this tastes this way. And, and that's really kind of what catapulted me on that journey. Um, more to, and it never ended. I, th- it, I think it, it never ends. I think right? it will never end. Yeah. I what it, it and so to it's always, always some. It's kind of an unconquerable discipline. There's yeah. always something to something, learn. Something, right? No matter how esoteric or how mainstream, there's always going to be something to learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing with with food, is especially mm-hmm. the same way. And I, there's so much similarity between a well constructed piece of sushi, even, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and those balances of flavor there, type of water, type of ingredients, but vegetation, all this. And wine and spirits, you know. Now the spirits gets a little tangled, and I'm sure wine does as well. Mm-hmm. When you add flavoring and coloring and stuff like that, and even cognac, but uh, in its purest form, it's something very remarkable that it can be so natural. You know? Yeah, yeah. So the thing that I don't, I don't understand, and hopefully you can help me out with this. So I know of a couple, shall we call it, degree programs for spirits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's bar five day, and then you can get a, a master's in bar. I don't know exactly what it's called, bar masters. I think actually, but for psalms, what is what's that pathway look like educationally and in terms of certification? What's like where do you start? What's that first kind of remedial, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. level of certification you get all the way up to master psalm, which I presume is the highest? Yeah, well, there are actually. I think that there are there are as many kind of organizations. Um, for vocational training yeah. for being a sommelier as a profession probably as there are in the spirit world oh really um the one that we hear about probably the most in the state of texas and we're we all we're also seeing it kind of now in uh, other kind of parts of media uh, film psalm came out and, right, and right. there's a show on the esquire network called uncorked now oh yeah that's right it's the court of master sommeliers and that is the program that kind of i've chosen <clears throat> to study under um and it's would you a, consider that kind of like yeah. the, pres- the prestigious the maybe the most reputable i i don't i because i have not a lot of context as to the various ways you could go through it but uh i th- i think that probably it's um f- for me it's the program that makes the most amount of sense for what i do which is you know sales and service of wine mm-hmm. on the floor of a restaurant. Right, right. You know, I think that there are others that are, are maybe more suited to kind of a career of, of writing. Or oh, interesting. Academia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but although, not necessarily application. Yeah. That's when you talk about, it, I mean, you're executing a particular uh, vision, passion, not strategy necessarily, but you pair somebody with someone, right? The most important thing, I think, in terms uh, of your education is, is just simply being in a position or a job and finding that kind of spot where you can taste as much wine mm-hmm. uh, as you can. And that's that's the true path of the of sommelier, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, like having worked in New York this last year, um, there are so many fantastic uh, sommeliers that 
that uh, have not that don't have certifications mm-hmm. or you know haven't um, you know gone down these routes right. to uh, to be able to practice kind of what they do and they're 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 just as wonderful. Um, is it expensive so, to to do the, the certification? Um, it, it is. It's it's kind of a financial commitment. So maybe yeah, that's absolutely. part of it too, right? Yeah, it's I like think the, that could be a part of it. You don't yeah. have you play on a secondhand acoustic guitar because you can never afford something better, <laughs> even though you're brilliant, right? Great talent. But. Yeah, and well, and I think that you know, I, some people test well, some people don't. You know, mm-hmm. this is a program where you advance by testing. So written um, test, mm-hmm, written, yeah. written. There's a three three part component. There's a written uh, portion, a theory mm-hmm. portion. Um, there is a, a, a service practical. Interesting. Uh, okay. That's kind of submitted to you by. Um, by the master psalms and, mm-hmm. group, and then there is a um, there's a blind tasting portion as well most fun part i'm sure so yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe daunting well, as well yeah very daunting yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but so yeah i mean i think uh i think that there's room for everyone to play there's room for everyone at the table yeah. um but, it's in, not, but in terms of finding resources um for information i you know i think that the the court of master sommeliers is really unparalleled and really trying to train knowledgeable ethical uh, restaurant professionals ethical is a great caveat to it because it you do have to have that yeah absolutely i think if you're looking at a career that's based on longevity that 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 has to be a part of the conversation yeah so what is the highest level of of acknowledgement or or i would be um for this particular program would be the master master sommelier pin (laughs) <laughs> so you're a master son. No, I am not a master. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> no. But no. are you, that is on your, I don't know. that's in your sites though? I don't know. I don't know if that's in the cards for me. I'm, what does I'm that mean to, to somebody it. like career-wise being a master son? Does it, is much like a master's degree, let's say, which is a little bit less, a little yeah. bit more worthless now, I would say to some degree, but. I think it can definitely be a career maker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there, I think people can pass tests, but maybe, you know, struggle kind of finding where they fit in right in their professional world so it i you know i i think it just really depends yeah yeah i always think about that because i don't know i love producers and Mm -hmm. i love the process i love talking details and whether it is wine beer any of that i Mm -hmm. find it particularly interesting i haven't noticed and maybe this is just because i'm being exposed to the wrong people and this is not an indictment by any means. <laughs> but there seems to be, for some, a, an immense air of arrogance for ma- master psalms. You know? And I don't know if that's because it takes so much work to get there that it's a nice uh, pedestal to stand upon or, or what. But do you think that's a big challenge for maybe the uh, PR of psalms that, to make it accessible and make sure that people can understand wine without it being something that's so exclusive to them? I think there's a large part of the wine community that really recognize that as a perception and as a problem mm-hmm. and are vigilantly fighting oh, that's a, that's great. Um, against that because the time and the devotion to learning the minutia and learning yeah. the information, I mean, it can certainly... You know, you do need, I think there's a tendency to maybe tap into parts of your ego to kind of drive you along in the pursuit of that knowledge. Absolutely. <laughs> and certainly yeah. um, there is a competence that's required to be able to share information sure. with your guests. You want to earn people's trust. Um, but it is a fine line, I think, to walk. And I think it's really, it's important to be vigilant in the remembrance that that this is a service industry and Mm -hmm. that you know our number one job um and commitment is to the people that we're serving not ourselves um, and not ourselves yeah Yeah. and um to me the best sommeliers whether at any level master or otherwise um are those that have the ability to listen and to to engage with people and to be willing to hear what they want and and sometimes to be able to pull out of them uh, 
or help them find the language to describe what it is that they like and yeah. what it is that they're looking for. And they're t- enabler, a teacher. Yeah, and know? that and this is something that um, can can take time and and can can mean you know longer time at a table. It can mean you know that you develop a, rela- a relationship with a guest that comes into your establishment over a period of time, right. so that you learn their interests in there. So it's so I think it's um, it's it's definitely a commitment, but. I, I know. I mean, I see a lot of shifts happening in the wine scene. I'll give you a really basic one that I think is fantastic. Uh, when I first sat uh, my first um, my first level with the Court of Master Sommeliers, mm-hmm. there, uh, there was a request that we address people as master. Interesting. Okay. And that has since changed, and people are asking us to call them by their first names. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think that that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's, it is. That, that's changes a, the dynamic completely. That's something very small that does change the dynamic and changes the conversation, I think, um, drastically. So. Do you think that the... I think that's... So that's exactly the... It's wonderful to hear that because mm-hmm. we're all in this industry, whether we're producing, selling, distributing, we're all... Well, the majority of us are working hard mm-hmm. and we're working hard for the right re- reasons, presumably, you know? And so this is not a competition about whose dick is bigger and i'm just going to put it that way because that's what it feels like yeah yeah it's like i'll go to toe to toe with somebody if they want and wine guy versus you know what i mean like we'll do that but what's the point of all all of us enriching our education and enriching the experience of the category and customers if we're going to be like that so it's nice to hear that there's active um, initiatives there to try to Mm -hmm. level that out and kind of sway it a little bit yeah, and I think, you know, like any industry, there are going to be some people that maybe aren't on board with that idea yet. Right. But, I, <laughs> but I think, you know, the best thing to do is to just try and lead by example. And, yeah. Um, uh, and, and have really uh, great conversations with, uh, with your staff about, about how you, you want guests to be treated and how yeah. the, the language that you would like for them to use when they're talking about Because you... You certainly will see more success for everybody if you can empower a customer or empower someone that's being served with the knowledge. Yeah, don't get bitter, get better. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> don't get better, get better. I like that. That's, that's going into the, uh, the foreword for, for, the, for the episode. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Soundbite. Soundbite. Well, so since we're talking about wine yeah. and I'm just, I'm blank, blank pages. I'm totally open to learning as much as I can. I've been sipping this wine that you brought. Yay. And wow, it's lovely. Because it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, you know what? I don't care if it's indelicate. And like, I don't know what tasting notes are on wine. I can, with, I can do that with spirits, you know? But like, this is a particularly, it's, it's kind of dry, kind of uh, salty. It's got salinity to yeah. it, you know? But it's really, really mellow and very, very balanced. So what, what am I drinking here? Um, so I brought for you, I feel very special because I know you don't have a lot of wine people on, I on, do not. on your show. That's a shame um, <laughs> on me. Shame on me. Yeah. So I brought I brought you a wine um, that to me has a lot of spirit-like properties. Yeah. Um, this is a producer called Jean-Francois Ganeva, and he's working in a part of France called the Jura. And this is a part of France where uh, Burgundy meets Switzerland. So it's kind oh, of an amazing. alpine region. Yeah. Cold. Um, cold, cooler climate, yeah. yeah. So their growing seasons tend to be really long. Like mm. They're harvesting in as late as sometimes as October. Um, and this is uh, a Vinjon. So just Vinjon. quickly translated means yellow wine. Mm. And what's so exciting about this wine is that like sherry, um, this wine um, is, is uh, fermented and kind of uh, has properties that are oxidative and kind of shows yeah does that have that cap on it too like sherry it does, does? Yeah. yeah so it, it's it's uh it kind of is it ferments under a layer of yeast yeah. very similar to floor not not directly related to oh, floor. okay okay um but there is that kind of exchange of oxygen and and uh slow exchange of oxygen like yeah. you see with floor and, and cherry production so yeah so it's it's fun it's got some it is. kind of nutty washed cheese rind more savory characteristics mm-hmm. um but then there is uh, some freshness of fruit there. There's kind of like you're biting into like the, 
the late apples of the season. Yeah, very crisp, kind of tart, slight tartness. Yeah, yeah, so I I thought this would be kind of a fun one to bring for today, it's and it's in a really, really cool. Good. You mentioned the bottle. I shape love the bottle. Yeah, this yeah. Kind of, it's this traditional bottle shape that you will only see in this part of the world called a clavelin. That's amazing because it's a three seventy five. Sixty two centiliters. Sixty two, yeah. which is even <laughs> I don't even know how to what it what it something point six three ounces. I don't know um, exactly. It's a beautiful squat squatty bottle. It's a fun squatty bottle. Yeah. Yeah, and wa- the wax top on it too is really cool. So they make a lot of great cheese in this part of the world. Oh, do they? Called Comte cheese. Comte, yeah. yeah. So this is a traditional pairing for Comte cheese. Oh and, man. Um, there's also a really special um, bird that comes from. It's a it's a blue footed hen called mm-hmm. a breast hen uh, that comes from this part of France, and they're kind of prized uh, all over Europe. Um, and uh, they will cook the hen in this Vinjone wine. Oh wow! And that's quite a delicacy. I imagine. Mm, Wait, what's the main? What's the the main chicken dish? Cocovan is what I'm thinking. Cocovan, right? yeah, 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 it's yeah. like a old rooster cooked in red wine. Yeah, wow. yeah. So this is <laughs> the opposite. A little yeah. bit more delicate. <laughs> a little more delicate. A little bit lighter and yeah. and all that. Well, it's really brilliant. It's really. I'm, I I dare ask that I if I can pour some more. Yes, it's please. So yeah. All right. I'll take, yeah. That's it's so it's so nice. Why? Thank you, sir. I love getting to you know physically stand up to pour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, pardon for those of you that are listening. Just you know, give it a second. I'm just going to stand. Just a up. moment. Yeah. The sound of glass. We got this nice little uh, stack here. We get some confidence to the wall to try <laughs> as well. But so the the experience at Congress. That's where I, I came to know of of you and you kind of were mm-hmm. building a name for yourself. And I think people they they revered you as someone that was very accessible. Like that's what I get right now. It's like I don't feel diminished or like in some some way talked down to about wine which is is a great thing because now i'm more open to it and i'm going to ask you all these questions and i'll have you spell it out later lay it on me right. lay it on me yeah, yeah. here for you <laughs> and it's, it's a great thing i mean that's the kind of activation is, is a word for it that i think we need for spirits and for wine alike mm-hmm. but what ultimately was the impetus for you leaving congress because that's when you went to new york after that right is that right yeah, yeah. i um well i actually i left uh, I left Congress uh, the first time I left to go be a GM over at Vino Vino. Okay. Um, okay. That was really my first experience as a wine buyer, mm-hmm. and it was it was um, it was a very good learning experience for me, and kind of prepared me for the position that I took when I returned the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when June uh, Rodil left to go uh, work for Ke- for Paul Key, yeah, um, I took over for her in the wine director position and was there for two years. Um, I always felt like I kind of came at things at a little bit of an odd progression. I started managing restaurants, and right. then I got into wine. Interesting. Then yeah. I became a wine director, but I never really had an opportunity to have an experience as a floor sommelier. Mm-hmm. Um, when so, tell me what's what's slightly the difference between the wine director and a floor sommelier? I would say that. Uh, one is more of a there's there's a huge administrative part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also managing the restaurant congress at the same time and kind of acting in oh, a dual wow. role. Okay. Um, hands are full. <laughs> yeah, so my hands were full, and um, uh, and in some ways, um, I didn't really have the time to be devoted to solely wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also knew that if I really wanted to learn about wine and about how wine performs over long periods of time that i would need to move to a part of the country that had kind of more relaxed blue laws and had lists that were more dynamic and had vintage depth and um so so it was kind of a risk on my part i was like you know this is crazy a lot of people think that i will be insane for because you got a good gig right Yeah, i had a great gig and good notoriety people look up to you they consider you an expert all these things are going for you but in terms of my own personal education i really felt like there were there were pieces missing and and i i thought about it long and hard and i realized that i was willing to let go of all that and take a step down and not be paula rester wine director or whatever um just to be able to work for someone who I knew um, did what I did, but much better. <laughs> wow. And, um, uh, and so I began a conversation with Union Square Hospitality Group 
that culminated in a job offer um, to work at their restaurant, Myelino, in the Gramercy Park Hotel uh, under Jeff Kellogg and be a psalm on his floor and uh, and left. And it was, uh, wow. it, it was scary. It was exhilarating. It's an amazing pursuit, though. I didn't. <laughs> you know, because think about it. Like, what, yeah. what, what reasons do people leave their job? They're unhappy. Well, uh, that seemingly wasn't the case. Yeah. They're not making enough money. I'm, we won't even have to talk about that. But that's seemingly not the case either. Mm-hmm. You are truly an academic trying to in- expand your wealth of knowledge. I mean, it's the pursuit of knowledge is why you left ultimately, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I felt, um, I knew that if I really wanted to get better that I kind of needed to flesh out the parts that were missing. Yeah. Um, and uh, That's what Bruce Lee would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a gun. Yes, that's um, right. <laughs> I'm good with my hands. Give me a knife and then we'll see. So, uh, so I, I just, you know, I, I feel really blessed. I... I think that they're a fantastic group to work for. I learned a lot, um, Was it, much uh, of which prepared me for the role that I'm in now that I came back to kind of take and, and, uh, is yeah. it, is it, was it what you expected it would be? Was it more difficult? Was it, it was, easier? I mean, I knew it was going to be difficult. Um, there is nothing like a New York busy season yeah. and a very popular restaurant. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't imagine. So, um, so it was a little, it was, I mean, it it didn't. I wasn't surprised um, uh, by the challenges, but what was surprising to me was the family, the sense of family that I would find there. Um, Because I think you know, you hear so much about how hard New York is and how rough, and um, and and for me, it was actually it was a pretty soft landing. Really, I worked with. Well, you'd been there. Slightly before though too, right? Maybe you had your yeah. Feet it might a have been like a there. little. What was definitely easier to kind of find my way around, yeah. but um, but there was a good ten years kind of between when I was there before and the city had certainly changed. Right. Um, uh, but in terms of uh, having a fantastic company culture, I mean, no one does it better than Danny Meyer and yeah. And uh, speaking also, of which, real yeah, quick though, so with the Danny course. Meyer thing, he's the one of basically getting rid of tipping. Is that Kind of the movement starting yeah, with he's him. He's one of many. I feel like yeah. he's kind of he's getting. I think because he has the notoriety. On it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the one that's in the press about it. <laughs> there was it. this thing that happened this year called Shake Shack and <laughs> <laughs> going public, and he's been on the cover of Time. So yeah. so there there is a large group of of you know I feel like they're some of the great industry leaders and in, about what will happen in restaurants and how to make them viable and right. successful and profitable for all members of their staff and it's k- kitchen especially the record industry is going through the same thing you know if you think about it you know yeah it, it's like how do you still make money that now they're doing it by just p- raping the bands <laughs> that's what major labels do unfortunately those 360 deals but it feels like the restaurant or the hospitality industry is having a nice introspective phase of which they're reevaluating if this is the best way to do things yeah we're we're kind of having a moment um which is exciting so uh because he has been a leader in the industry before mm-hmm. i think that there there is a large group of people kind of making this change in the state of new york and it's kind of it's very well thought out it's yeah. very well planned it's, it's not just a turnkey it's specific it's strategic There's it's very strategic it's coming at the time it, the time is right it's the minimum wage is about to go up yeah um you know they're embracing a european model that's existed um for years and they're adding kind of a credibility i think to the to the service profession which is that's great because a lot of people by making these changes yes yeah you think about the level of expertise and education that they've had but being that experiential time like because yes you can spend four years in college Mm -hmm. but what can you do right and actually being out there and doing it and interacting with people and learning about food and wine and all that somehow that's more valuable to me I think so. You know, New York's having a cook crisis right now, just the same as the city of Austin. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to pay cooks a wage because you have a, a restaurant model that's built to support that, I think right. is, um, it, it's been needing to happen for a long time. So, so um, when you so wrapped I think up, it's interesting. It, it is. It's a very interesting time. A lot of new things. I mean, uh, you know, Levy closed, metal closed. Yeah, just as so many closes. Congress closed. Cl- yeah, but that yeah. was for expansion, though, wasn't it? For a second. Yeah, but you know, I I think um, 
It was for expansion, but I definitely think that you can feel a little bit of the death of fine dining happening, and you feel it in uh, all parts of the country. Really? It's so interesting. 11 Madison Park today, um, you know, three Michelin stars, leaders in the service industry announced that they will be shifting what they do from like a 14-course tasting menu mm -hmm. to a seven-course tasting menu, and they will be embracing minimalism gone are the days of the garnishes and yeah. um, these elaborate plate-ups and this certain style of dining and that they want to change uh, the conversation. Yeah. And I feel like this is this is kind of, this is prevalent. This is what's happening. People people want to drink good wine and they want to have really good beverage experiences. They want to have really well-made cocktails, mm -hmm. but they want to do it um, with great food that's not spendy. Yeah. Um, they don't want elaborate experiences. They want uh, to the point invigorating atmospheres. Ah, um, interesting. So more ambiance the experience than the specific kind of like d display, the aesthetic maybe. Yeah, I think maybe yeah, maybe not so much white tablecloth, no yeah. more rock and roll. This is kind of like <laughs> It's interesting and I, I kind of feel like there's a different maybe it coincides with our ability the tech era or the tech generation that we can get things in a non-nuanced way delivered to our phone or delivered to our house at any time we want mm -hmm. for a specific number, for a specific detail, 140 characters. So like everything is fits into this exact beautiful, very detailed, rather not lack of detail, but something that's really easy and bite-sized and easy to, to digest. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that is the now the absence of thrill, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's what's happening. There's like, also this kind of embrace of, this idea of authenticity mm -hmm. as well and that if um if something is too precious or too elaborate that that it's moving away from from that i think that we see that in, in ingredients like remember when, like i think in the cocktail world as well like when you would have you know a cocktail that had 14 ingredients in right. it and like it's got these though. three kinds of bitters and you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was yeah. inflated it was just it was overwrought with complexity. The it, conversation comes back to, okay, let's go back to using three or four ingredients right. and how the well Beatles made model. is this? Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one, four, five. That's right, yeah. Concord progression. Totally. And, yeah. So, um, so that's what it is, maybe a return to simplicity. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what, what the public wants right now. And Interesting. So mm -hmm. it is shifting. It's an interesting time to, I feel, to I be feel in like Austin for that. I mean, I could be wrong, but... No, I, I think so. Like I mean, I think that that's uh, it's becoming more clear and more evident in the types of places that are closing. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. And it's it's interesting time, very formative because this is like our. I think it's like a tectonic shift into phase two of mm -hmm. uh, dining and cocktails in Austin, and it's really exciting to see. I think because it's fun. I don't own a restaurant, so it's even yeah. more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit less risk for me. You know? It's kind of nice. Yeah. So, did you? know that you were going to accept the position at La Corsia, is that right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Did you know that when while you were in New York or did you have to come into Austin first? And there then... were, there, the conversation had begun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always had one foot in the door. I left a foot in the door. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> uh, strategic. <laughs> that's Congress good. And, um, you know, I, I formed really great relationships there and, you know, I knew I would maintain them no matter where my career took me. Yeah. So, um, so it seemed it seemed very natural that I would come back when they were ready for this role to begin. And how long were you in New York the second time? Uh, I was there over a year, a little over a year. A little over yeah, a year. just enough to kind of steal all of Danny Meyer's ideas. <laughs> all the all the home. ideas, yeah. all the stuff for myself, all of the inspiration, just bring it back in a a big uh, golden bucket. In a yeah. Sense. <laughs> Well, so when it, so describe to me because I know a little bit about La Corsia after you know chatting with Jason and th is this the new location that's going to be in Seahome? Or uh, no, or is La Corsia the La Corsia is the Marfa. name of our hospitality group? Oh, that's right. Um, okay, okay. And then um, uh, Boiler Nine will be the restaurant that will be opening in the spring in, in the Seahome Power Plant project. And what uh, what's the concept there? Um, I don't want to speak too much to the concept. Sure, sure. I, like, I think it's like still what, what do kind you of, want uh, to bring? What are you looking but, to bring to it? But I think uh, we want to create kind of really dynamic spaces for mm -hmm. um, food and wine experiences that are accessible to everyone yeah. um, at different price points. And so I will, I can tell you a little bit about the layout of the sure, space, yeah. which I think really feeds into that idea. So when you when you enter in, um, 
you will enter into kind of the the dining room area mm-hmm. going down into the basement jason's got a pretty awesome bar oh is there a bar uh, oh, amazing down in in the on the bottom uh subterranean <laughs> bar um and then there is a there's a beautiful open space um kind of you can look out in one direction and see the train tracks and another mm-hmm. direction you can see kind of the old exposed pipes and inner workings of the power plant oh, wow. um that uh, that will have a space that is both covered and but also open air so amazing um so there will be kind of an opportunity for some different experiences there that i think will be fun Do you, can you say if it's you think it's going to be wine heavy or balanced with cocktails uh, i would say it would, it's going to be fairly balanced with cocktails yeah, yeah. It's gonna. It, it, it won't be a, an extensive list, but I think it will be a very well edited list. And Concise to the yeah, point. Right? Yeah. And you said spring. You guys are aiming for spring. We're aiming for spring. Is the build out done already? Uh, we're close. We're cool. we're doing some. Uh, we we've we had a hard hat walkthrough recently, which Amazing. was really fun, and and uh, so it's 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 happening. It's like we're. We're in the home stretch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Round and third. <laughs> you know, you know, you always something will all you know. Construction something always in Austin goes and permitting. Something permitting. always goes wrong. So I don't want to you know say definitely. No, for but, sure, absolutely. What, we're, um, do you know of any of the the other concepts that are going? Because there's it's tr- it's going to be a larger space. The scene home that kind of that X power plant, right? There's going to be shopping, I, I guess, too. Like lots of different. I stuff. I think there are a lot of live workspaces. Yeah, and some shopping and. The Trader Joe's is over there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, it's not open yet, is it? It is. Oh, yeah. it is open. It okay. is open. I just passed it, I think, yesterday. I was like, holy shit, there's a Trader Joe's. Like, Where was Eater on this one? Or maybe, I know. Like, I, usually <laughs> right they're right the there radar. in the front, right camping out, radar. talking about <laughs> But that is just one of many properties, I think, that or concepts that are coming to fruition for La Corsia. Yeah. From, from what I understand. Have you guys um, formally talked about, or rather publicly talked about the Marfa piece too? Yeah, the yeah. Ho- the Hotel St. George and Marfa, yeah. really exciting. Um, I, I'm i a huge Marfa person. I've been going for years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like a little fantastic getaway uh, lo- location. And, sure. you know, uh, of course, there's it's become really trendy, and there's like so much going on there right now for such a tiny Oh, my gosh, there's so much. If I, count it, if I had a dollar for every yeah. selfie I saw in front of the, the yeah. Prada store. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be very well. I think wealthy. I have one. <laughs> yeah. Guilty as charged. No offense. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's an iconic kind of store in the middle of nowhere. You know, it is. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's in play right now, and it, I think it's kind of in the final stages. That's so, so great. Um, that will be that will be really fun. Uh, Joe Pat Clayton's fantastic uh, beverage professional. He's kind of the man on the ground in charge of beverage there. Amazing. Great, great guy from Houston. Um, uh, we purchased the Green Pastures property, oh, really? which I don't know it's uh, if if you have heard about. But no, I haven't heard about the con. I mean, I know of the, yeah, the property, but we'll be doing a renovation. Oh, right. um, of that. That's great. With, that's where there's a bunch of the guinea fowls hanging out, it, right? It, yeah, they're peacocks. Oh, yeah. they're peacocks. Okay, because um, guinea fowls are. Raining, yeah. I've been seeing some some peacock footage in the news lately. <laughs> so apparently, yeah. not everyone loves peacocks, and they're so. loud. I mean, peacocking yeah. is a is a verb for a reason. I don't have a lot of experience with peacocks personally. <laughs> sure. I know they were served as a delicacy in the court of Louis the Fourteenth. Oh, I didn't know that. You may you can take that information. Sure. Do what so you, you guys will, are going to serve peacocks. All right. Well, that uh, makes sense, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny that at this point. That might be our only solution. But well, uh, but we yeah. So uh, I, I'm excited about that project. I yeah. think it's just a beautiful space with a lot of history and oh tradition. yeah, it's old Austin. It will know? be really fun to renovate that and bring it to the next generation. And that that's all in your purview, like you're all yeah, all in the purview. Keeping busy with it. We're we're staying busy. We're yeah. we're we're busy uh, building systems. I think for growth right mm-hmm. now, um, and. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and speak for Jason and say I know that that's something that's <laughs> that he's really excited about. Oh, I bet, yeah. Kind of falls within uh, his passion and, and, uh, well, and I wonder- as well. So I couldn't ask for, like, a better person to work for, work with. Pretty he's, great team, seemingly. He's, uh, he's I mean, such a great guy. He's, he's mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant mind, brilliant palate for mm-hmm. him as well. So with all this stuff that's going on and you're keeping busy, you're learning, learning, learning. Yes, do you have time to 
do the things that you need to do for yourself? Like st- maybe staying healthy, catching a movie sometimes, or are you just... Yeah, work, you know, work, work? I um, balance hasn't always been something that's uh, been great for me. Yeah. I, I <laughs> <laughs> not one of my fortes, something that I've, I've had a lot of health problems this year. So, so certainly something that I'm trying to live and kind of incorporate into yeah. my life uh more um which is also ironically another gift um uh i do you know i i do i'm trying to to see movies and yeah. have a, i'm a more I've become a nine to five person and this is new for me because that is so, the role is nine yeah. to five isn't it? yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm it's spending nights shift. um uh, cooking and watching a really bad television and reading. I have my love my library card. Yeah. Um, I uh, I have a Nutribullet. Uh, we just got one too. It's kind of awesome. But so there's a milling it. setting. Have you seen the milling setting? No. Tell me about this. So it is a mill a milling <laughs> a miller. A, a, I don't even know how you. But like that you would do to, to grind grain and For all grind? that. Oh so we gosh. made, while well, Lydia made a Nutella, like a pseudo Nutella shake, hazelnuts, ground cacao with the miller, Amazing. the millet, or the miller, excuse me, the banana, okay. and a little bit of protein powder. It's insane. It's so cool. It's so good. That's so good. Keeps you on point too. Uh, my Drink, jam is to make gazpacho. So oh. I'll like, uh, I'm like, I, it took me a long time to think outside the box. So here, so here's a true confession. I'm, I, uh, I am, I, I will watch the Food Network and I'll be the person like sitting and screaming like, you know, bring up the thermal immersion circulator <laughs> and like clearly you didn't coach that sous-vide. correct or, you know, yeah. Um, but I cannot cook. No kidding. Like a t- and I'm not a great, uh, chef okay uh, but you know the <laughs> techniques so that? yeah so yeah but i i've worked in a restaurant for so long that i've become very adept at knowing techniques or how th- how things taste yeah. or i can i can but as as far as actually executing i'm like a three trick <laughs> wonder yeah um so it took me a long time to graduate from just making like a fruit smoothie from sure. the nutribullet gazpacho, then i discovered evolution. gazpacho and now it's just like there's no hold me back what so about I salt might, you could make salsa even you could so i could be a nutribullet chef that might be that, my, my next calling i don't macrobiotic yeah <laughs> <laughs> it'll be raw right it makes a lot of sense well you know thank you so much for sitting and chatting with me it's it's good to hear about you and, and getting some insight into the wine community a little bit more because you know i'll be the first to admit that i've got drunken dudes over you know <laughs> not me not literally Aww. but but I, I want more representation i'd love to have june on the show oscar at some she's point. so great you she, should, she's been really she's great every so time knowledgeable but also highly entertaining yeah and absolutely. has the best laugh so totally, you totally, ask totally accessible and like down to earth and I, it's been great getting to know her mm-hmm. and hearing your story and everything you know Let's just rally and thanks for sharing the wine. Wine, but let's rally around uh, Depeche Mode. And yeah, uh, yeah. New Order. Is do we get to have a dance off now? Well, like you'll win. Like... You'll win immediately. <laughs> uh, I don't really bring a lot to the table, as many might tell you. But it's been brilliant chatting. And you know, thanks so much for coming in and spending this time to drink and sip and learn. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having me. It's My an, pleasure. An honor. A honor. <laughs> no, well, I, I, I love it. Thank that you. you so Thanks much for having a wine a wine person on. It's great. The first of many, I hope. <laughs>
Well, there we have it. Another wonderful, this is a very lovely, gentle, just open, soft, great conversation with Paula Rester of the La Corsia Group. I don't often touch on wine. I'm trying to get more into food on the show, talk to more chefs, more sous chefs, people run front of house. We delve into coffee a little bit, but this is the first wine chat, and it is the first of two this week the second of which we will drop here on Thursday with June Rodillon, a master psalm who has seen a lot of different things. And there's some great stories there too. But chatting with Paul was really wonderful. It was very warm and we immediately hit it off. It's great talking about music. And I think we all in Austin are really anticipating Boiler 9, which will open sometime here in the near future. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what Marcus Miller bass you're looking to buy or what blue kiwi microphone is sitting right in front of you, please keep dancing.